Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Krista Rizzo has been teaching at the middle and high school levels for 12 years. She earned her bachelor's degree in vocal performance and music education from the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia in 2008. Krista is on staff at the West Essex Regional School District in North Caldwell, New Jersey, where she currently teaches choir and exploratory music to 7th and 8th graders at West Essex Middle School. Over the course of her tenure there, Krista has taught AP Music Theory, Theater Arts, Choir, and Music History at West Essex High School, as well as directing the West Essex Middle School Glee Club and Honors Choir after school. From 2009 to 2017, she directed the West Essex High School plays and spring musicals. Her students have performed at Carnegie Hall, been recognized by the Rising Star Awards at Paper Mill Playhouse, and participate annually in honors choirs at the region and all state levels. When she's not teaching or directing, she enjoys spending time at home with her husband and two young sons. So I am thrilled this week, our last episode of season two of the Profiles in Teaching with Music Technology, uh, Krista Rizzo, who I met recently uh, at the NJMEA conference in Atlantic City at the end of February, right before all of this craziness uh, began. Uh, and uh, Krista, welcome to uh, the podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking a lot about, about what you've been doing uh, since the beginning of the pandemic and how you've gotten through uh, to the end of the school year. But before we dive into that, I'd love to have you tell our listeners what your path was between kind of, you know, when you graduated undergraduate, uh, you know, college uh, up till now where you're teaching at the West Essex Regional Middle School. So welcome, Krista, and, and let's hear a little bit about uh, that path. Thank you, Jim, for having me today. It's so exciting. Um, so I graduated from the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia, back in 2008, which feels like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was it was great. I got my degree in vocal performance and I like, took the education track because UMW didn't have an ed music ed major at the time. Yep. So um, I was really excited and I kind of thought I was going to stay in Virginia, but I ended up getting a job offer in my hometown of Lincoln Park, New Jersey. So I moved back home and I taught for a year in Lincoln Park. And then unfortunately there were budget cuts in the district and the music job got rifted. Is that so, the, that was the great culling of 2009, right? When the budget yes. went out. Yeah. The recession yes. hit. I, I've seen a lot recently about New Jersey music educators remembering that horrible time and kind of worrying about what the road ahead looks like. But yeah, that's not a surprise at all. That was a terrible time. Uh, for, it was, for it was awful. And yep. I was a first year teacher and I think I, cried my eyes out from when my, and my, so my principal was so supportive and I'm actually still friendly with him and we, we chat still today and he gave me a great letter of recommendation. Um, so that was, I got rifted in March and I got my job at West Essex. I got uh, an offer and a contract with them at the end of June. 
So I started in the fall of 2009, and then they had the Christie freezes that came through in New Jersey, and I thought I was going to lose my job again, but West Essex voted for a a budget freeze at that time. So all the non-tenured teachers kind of breathed a sigh of relief, and we all got to keep our jobs. And I've been there ever since, and I've taught now in both the middle school at the West Essex Middle School, I've taught at the West Essex High School, I was there for six years. until it got to be a little bit too much with all the after school stuff because I was directing acapella groups and the fall play and the spring musical. And it was wonderful when I was single and a newlywed. But as soon as my first child came, it got to be really hard to balance work and I life. Hear you. So I switched. Um, I did an internal transfer back to the middle school when my son was one. And it has been awesome. I love the middle school age. I think that those, you know, it's a a crazy age. They're going through a lot emotionally at that time. Um, West Essex is only seventh and eighth grade in their middle school. So oh, wow. yeah, it's a, it's, it's a smaller school. Our four sending districts go to sixth grade and then they all come together in seventh grade. So they start out really timid and shy. And then by the end of the year, they're all just like one big happy family. And then the eighth graders are moving up to the high school where we have our four grades, but we're all on the same campus. So two separate buildings, but all in the same location. So it's it's nice because I can still like the older kids will come back and visit us in the building or like we'll go and down and see stuff at the high school and I'll run into my former students and they're all still, you know, in town and remember us and everything. So it's nice. It's a really cool experience. Um, it means that we have kind of a small music department. We have mm-hmm. um, I'm the choir and general music teacher at the middle school. There is a band and general music teacher at the middle school, and we have one orchestra teacher for the district, so she splits her time between the buildings, and she does orchestra and then guitar and general music, the guitar class at the high school. And at the high school, we have a band director and a choir director, and then, again, our orchestra teacher goes between the buildings. So, you know, it's a, it's, there's five of us, and we're nice. We're a good team. We're strong. Uh, we work together really well, and, you know, it's just... It's, it's interesting because we kind of all have our own little domains, but then yep. for at least in the middle school, the three of us teachers, the band, choir, and orchestra, we share that general ed class, which a couple of years ago, our district turned it into a music lab. So we have in the lab setting, we have the keyboard, we have guitar for the eighth graders, and um, it all connects into the computer. So the, the keyboards can talk to software and stuff like that. So it gets, it's really cool. Um, I wish we taught that class longer than nine weeks at a time because right. I feel like there's so much that we could be doing with it that we just don't get a chance to do. Um, but it's, it is a really cool experience. And I think that it's made a difference from a more boring music history type of class to a yep. nice hands-on performance kind of class for non-performance kids. Yeah, it's great. Chris, before you go any further, I think – I am not, I'll admit my ignorance on this, but I know I spent my entire teaching career in New Jersey. And so for you and I, this is just the way things are. But this whole concept of regional school districts um, is probably very foreign to people in other states. For example, if you take a, a, a state like Texas, where, you know, they have an independent school district, they've got 48 elementary schools, you know, eight middle schools and four high schools and they're like what do you mean you have a you know there's a regional so for those of us that for those listeners that have no clue what we're talking about new jersey specifically northern jersey from mid to you know to northern jersey is comprised of many 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 little municipalities and towns and you know decades ago they had their own elementary middle and high school often combining buildings because of the small population of the individual town 
And I don't know how long ago it was, but New Jersey switched to a regional model, which I think makes a ton of sense, where you have, you know, four small towns educate their children up to either grade six or up to grade eight. Where I taught in Franklin Lakes, we only taught them up to grade eight. And then at grade eight, they went to regional high schools uh, that were, and, and so it's the same exact situation in West Essex, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, we have four towns um, that, you know, I guess back in the day, were all little farming communities. And then yep. as they grew, they got too big for the school that they were going to. So they made a new school for just the small, like the towns to send. So they all got their own elementary schools, and then they sent their kids to the high schools. Yeah, so uh, it, sa it saves on costs, you know, so that individual towns don't have to bear the burden of a t complete K-12 education. There are separate superintendents for these regionals. I'm just, I know this may not be of interest to you and I, because this is, <laughs> you know, we live this, but for others, it's just, it's an... Oh, it's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, I know when I was in Virginia and I was going to, co to college and going to my observations and stuff, they have a county city system that blew yep. my mind because I grew up in New Jersey where we have this other system where it's like independent boroughs and they have like, oh no, the whole county goes to school and it's all under one superintendent. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing in many, many states like Georgia, you know, Cobb County, this massive county. They've got one district arts supervisor for instrumental and, and district, and you go, oh, well, that must be a pretty cush gig. And they're like, no, I, I actually have 184 instrumental music teachers that I supervise. You're like, holy moly. Right. So anyway, we, we kind of, um, it, it's, a, it's a sheltered view of the rest of the country in New Jersey. It's a beautiful system. I personally loved it because we, we were in what we call the flow area, the Franklin Lakes, Oakland, and Wyckoff. They all mm -hmm. would send these two different regional high schools. Anyway, enough about that. It's just kind of, it provides a little bit of context. So Krista, the, the main question I, or to get, to get us rolling, because you've, you've, you've definitely painted a nice picture of, of what your program has and, and the staffing and all that. What got you interested in music technology? And so I'm going to say something that might be slightly controversial, but it's not meant that way. Typically, um, for, from my standpoint, uh, as a 50-year-old white male, I do see a lot of music tech people being uh, just like me, you know, nerdy white guys uh, that are typically band directors. So I love to, I, and, and they're mostly instrumental people as well. So this kind of, which is ridiculous, it's, it's a silly stereotype, but most of the people I've interviewed on this podcast series have been women. And so I, I love to hear, especially as a vocalist, and it's not meant as any kind of inflammatory <laughs> comment, but, but typically female vocalists are the least willing to adopt technology in my experience in their teaching. Um, a lot of choir directors don't want anything to do with it. Um, so I would love to hear from you specifically how you got interested in music technology as well as integrating it into your teaching. I think that a lot of choir directors have a year of technology sometimes i know yeah. that in our district definitely our band guy is the gung-ho leader on like we need to try this we need to try that we need to try this like you know i found this i was playing on the computer on the weekend and i found this program and he'll, he's the kind of guy he's always on the cutting edge and he's got the new toys in his classroom and stuff yep. like that so i definitely i definitely agree with you that band guys seem to be and band people i should say yep. seem to be more um just comfortable integrating the technology into their environments. I know for me, I want to, and I find that I'd stop using it. Like I've, I found like I've, I kind of spurt. I start and I stop, I start and I stop. And I, I put something in, like I'll get like sight reading factory, for example. And I was using that when I was at the high school, putting it on the projector and making it a part of my 
my daily routine, but I wasn't sending it home with my kids. At that point, I don't know if we could have, but um, now you can. So like, I wasn't giving them the opportunity to interact with that technology on their terms either. So I feel like for me, it's been a push to try to get the technology that functionally fits into my classroom. You know, I feel like adding technology for technology's sake isn't going to really help anybody. But if it's going to give, it has a function and a purpose and you can tie it into what you're teaching, then it actually is a tool that is useful to you as opposed to just, you know, something that you try to use and like, oh, it doesn't work, so I'm not going to keep doing it. Right. You know, so I've really enjoyed using music first in that way. Um, I feel like with the pandemic hitting and everything having to go remote, it's been such a gift, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I was kind of planning on trying to integrate it into my room before that, um, as we were starting to like put together our ideas for next year, um, after the NJMEA conference that I talked to you at and yeah. everything, um, you know, I was kind of already on that, like, okay, well, this is going to be functional. And this is going to be something that I can give the students and have them have accountability with as opposed to just like putting something on the projector and then moving on. Yep. You so know, that, it, that it, I think it, is important. It's very interesting that you say, you know, this kind of your approach to music technology integration, and I hope everybody heard it uh, and listened very carefully, is the correct approach in my opinion. It should never be about, I got this new toy, what can I do with it? It's all right, well, how do I make my, how do I connect my curriculum to the learners? How do I, you know, you said something about, you know, making music history less boring. To be honest, when I started, so I was always a synth geek, always a tech nerd, but I did not start teaching with technology. My first two years or my first year, I had no technology and I didn't even consider using it. I was a band director at the elementary level. And then when I became a general music teacher, specifically at the middle school level, I was petrified. I don't know how you felt, but I was like, to me, middle school general music is what many undergraduate music ed majors consider literally the worst possible thing job there is. If you get a middle school general music teaching job, you're in hell. And it's just <laughs> absolutely not true. And, the, and But when I first started my second year of teaching, I had to teach middle school. I was petrified. I was like, what am I going to give these eighth graders who would be like, you know, I just want to listen to Eminem. I don't want to listen to Bach. And, you know, how am I going to make this relevant for them? And, and honestly, even though I was a huge tech geek and nerd, it, 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 it was that moment where I go, I need to get these kids really excited about music. What made me excited about music at that age? Oh, yeah. You know, tech. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like the approach that that you that you know, that you have there, which is it's functional. It's meant to be utilitarian. It's meant to be a tool, uh, a really important uh, way to go into it. So um, Krista, now we're, we're going to get to the, um, uh, you know, be, before many kind of specifics of what you're doing, let's hear about what happened in West Essex, you know, March 12th. I don't know what the day was where it happened for you, but where, you know, what kind of lead up did you have for right, school's going to be closed for the rest of the year, even though none of us knew that that was what was coming? I'd right. love to just give us an idea of what that what what happened leading up to it and then what what it's been like since then. In hindsight, it kind of plays out in my head like a disaster movie. <laughs> like, like, I hear it's, you. One of those, it's like so you hear the news and all these like reports are coming through and then the kids are murmuring because kids always murmur. Nobody had answers. Everyone, you're just trying to keep calm because, you know, you're supposed to be like working on your music and they're turning around and asking you these questions and you don't have the answers for them. Um, that Monday of that week, which I guess was the week of, you know, like, yeah, it ended on the 13th. So it was yep. like, probably like the 7th or 8th. Um, 
our superintendent called us to an emergency faculty meeting and basically said that the, if the health department closes us down, we have to close and we have to be prepared to go two weeks um, online. However, that's gonna look for our classroom, start thinking about it. So that's actually when I reached out to Robin about um, Music First and I saw that there was a COVID deal going on for you guys and free to extended demos. And I was, you know, we weren't shut down at that point. So mostly I wanted to know like, could I get set up in the event that we shut down because it seemed pretty imminent. Right. Um, so I was working with Robin that week. By Thursday, they called an emergency half day in my district, brought the teachers back to an emergency faculty meeting and said, we're taking a snow day tomorrow. Um, you now have, you know, 45 minutes to go to your classrooms and grab whatever you need. Oh my weeks. God. <laughs> and we'll see you, you know, at the beginning, right before spring break, we'll see you like in April. Like we're going to be closed for two weeks, but we're giving you a snow day tomorrow to kind of get your bearings and take right. a breath and spend time with your families. And Monday, we're going to be virtual. So that's what happened. And we're on a daily rotation schedule. So like I saw one class that day, but I didn't get to see the other. And I felt so bad because like I had, there's like half of my students I haven't even said goodbye to yet. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no closure. And, you know, I've seen them online, but it's not quite the same. So we, that was what happened. I ran back to my classroom and I like kind of did a quick run through of, I need this book. I need that thing. I need this. And then I was online with Robin that whole weekend, like getting our stuff set up, sending him my lists of kids, getting everything up and running. And at that point, um, I think my band and orchestra colleagues joined on that weekend. So I was able to get up and running with music first that Monday. Cause right. I had reached out a few days before. Well done. But I know food. Yeah, for them, they were a little, a couple of days behind, but right. Yeah, we got in. And so on that Friday, on the Friday, we had 1,100 requests. And it, Holy it was, cow. we were just like, oh my God. Like we had no clue it would be like that. And so we were, we worked 18 hour days for like three weeks trying to get everybody on. It was, that was just the Friday. We ended up signing up uh, 550,000 users uh, over the next wow. three weeks it was insane but you're very very smart to have done it as early as you did so you were up and running on monday so what did that first monday look like i mean for you for the kids for everybody what was what was that like it was it was interesting it was um it was an a day so it was a day that i saw all of my classes which ended up being good because i was able to kind of i went on google meet and I just tried to walk them through and talk them through what we were doing. I screen shared because I have used Music First Classroom before and I went on and I was trying to like, you know, create lessons and things like that. And it was a learning curve for all of us, you know, yep. getting the kids on, getting myself reacquainted with the software and how to, you know, create the tasks and post the tasks and make sure all of the assignments are attached to the tasks. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, so there was a little bit of, of, of hiccups I guess along the line in that way and of course you know we were planning for two weeks so my choir kids I was like uh you got to keep singing and we're going to keep working on our songs because when we go we still have a spring concert and you know we got to be ready when we get back to keep singing and this yep. and that so you know there was a it was all we're, we're on like what week nine or ten of two weeks <laughs> that we were exactly. supposed to be out so it was it was um trying to stay as normal as possible in an abnormal situation. And, you know, at first it was just like, well, it's only for two weeks. It's, it's just, we're almost done. And then it was like, that was like, oh, here it's three weeks. Okay. It's, we're going to stay this way through spring break. Yep. And then 
in they New just Jersey, can't move in the goal lines. <laughs> exactly. And then in New Jersey, they, um, our governor didn't officially announce that we were closed until the middle of May. Like wow. he, he didn't, he didn't officially make the, the, the decision or announce his decision that we were not going to be returning to school for the 2020, right. like right. for the 1920 school year until May, like May 15th ish. So we, we were just like, there were so many kids who were holding out hope that we would be able to go back to our classroom. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I know. terrible. And like, I'm, I'm sure their parents were also holding out hope that they'd be able Absolutely. to get back to the classroom. Um, but it just honestly wasn't going to happen. But, you know, it was a relief when he finally said that because, you know, now you can just commit to whatever it is that we're doing for the rest of the year, as opposed right. to having that, like, well, if we get back to the classroom, what am I going to do when we're back in the classroom and whatever that's going to look like? Exactly. So Krista, the, a lot, I'm, I'm sure like many other, um, you know, performance-based music educators, uh, general music aside for now, you know, you, you were mentioning your choir, you know, keeping them, getting them ready. When all this first went down, every choir director that I that that you saw on Facebook was saying like, "How do I do a virtual rehearsal? How do I do a virtual performance? You know, how can I meet with eighty kids all at once?" What was your initial like? All right, this is what I have planned for those two weeks. Um, I was using Sight Reading Factory, so I, I had all the kids sign up, and we were using Sight Reading Factory to just do some skills and warm ups. Right. I was using YouTube. I was using um, Google Meet to just kind of walk them through and check in with stuff. Yep. And then I actually got Flipgrid, and oh, I was Flipgrid's posting amazing. the topics to Flipgrid, and I was like, "Record yourself singing." Uh, you know, show me two warm ups and your. Uh, record yourself with our accompaniment track for whatever song of your choice. And like, you know, by Friday, sing through all five of our pieces and send them to me like individually. So I posted the topics on Flipgrid and then I could at least see and hear each kid individually because no platform is going to be good for synchronous rehearsal. And none, there, none. there isn't one. <laughs> there, it's not, if someone could invent that, that would be amazing. Yeah, well, here's um, the problem, because a lot of people have asked Music First, like, when are you going to have a virtual rehearsal platform? It's very, very easy to, you know, to make something, replicate something like Zoom, right? The right. Pro the problem is, and, and if you've ever tried doing it, like, try singing Happy Birthday with 10 people on Zoom. We did, we did oh, a virtual lag. birthday. It, you can't. And the reason is, is that everybody is connecting with a different Wi-Fi speed. And that may sound like a trite little, oh, well, that's just a, you know, a tech nerd saying it's not, blame the individual user. No, it's true. Like no, some, it is. some people have 25 gigabyte or 25 megabyte uploads. Some people have 200. Some people have 75. And believe it or not, when you have varying Wi-Fi speeds and the people singing, if they glitch even a millisecond, everyone hears it instantly that they're not on track. So even if you had the, the only way to make virtual rehearsals a reality is having everybody have the exact same Wi-Fi speed, 200 megabytes upload, you know, kind of really fast mm -hmm. Wi-Fi and, and all using the same internet service provider. That's it. Like, so everyone would have to be on Verizon Fios, 200 megabytes up, you know, up, and then, and you have to be there too in order for them to sync. So it's just not going to happen. It's not, and believe me, there are companies that have sprung out of the woodwork during this last two and a half months. They're like, oh, we can do this. 
it, it, it doesn't. It, it's all about it's all about the end user. And I'm imagining, just quickly, and I'm enjoying the conversation, but going way off track here. What is the kind of socioeconomic makeup of West Essex, and and can or is it safe to assume that every single kid in your district had access to a device and Wi-Fi at home? So why don't, why don't you just ch chat about that for a bit? So West Essex is a we're we're pretty well off socioeconomically. So the districts um, we have we're we're probably like definitely middle probably middle high considered yep. at socioeconomic levels. I know there's a letter scale like A B C D E F G kind of thing, but right. I don't know what letter I can't remember what letter we fall into. Right. I think we're somewhere like between H I J. Right. So we're up there. Um, a few years ago, we actually did go in our district to a one to one initiative. So we have every student has a Chromebook um, from seventh grade through 12th grade that is school provided. Every right. teacher in the district has a school provided laptop. Um, and those are for everybody to take to and from work with them. So yeah. everybody can bring it to school. Everybody can bring it home from school. You know, the expectation is that the kids would take their Chromebooks home at night and charge them. Um, our library was the hub for charging stations and if your Chromebook had an issue you could go get it fixed or trade it for a day loaner or an extended loaner if there was like your screen cracked or something because you know we're talking about middle school children so there was there's there's always a story and um they just need another Chromebook so we do have every student is expected to be able to participate with online learning with their own school issued device got it um, yeah, that makes it a whole lot easier I mean I can't the countless districts who um, for example, the city of Boston, uh, who, you know, they use uh, Music First extensively, uh, you know, they had to provide like 50,000 Chromebooks because these kids didn't have them when they were going home. So it became this huge inequality or equity right. issue where some kids, you know, if you happen to have a, a device at home, you could learn. And if you didn't, you were cut out of education for the rest of the school year. So while that's not certainly the norm everywhere, it's nice to know that at least you knew that these kids could get to the stuff that you were providing them. Yeah, there wasn't, there, we shouldn't have had, I mean, the bigger issue is that, like, you know, hopefully everybody had Wi-Fi at home, you right, know, like, right, that's, right. that would be where, like, you were talking about the Wi-Fi issues is, like, you know, that's where the real issue would become if the kids weren't actually um, able to access the internet and everything at home. But I like, where we live, I believe it's, I don't think that that's as, as big of an issue as it is in other places. Yeah, I mean, I, so, at my own home, I have pretty fast Wi-Fi, but both of my daughters, one in college, one in high school, were on Zoom meetings four hours a day. I was on Zoom meetings four hours a day, and none of us could could do it. So I actually had to pay to upgrade my Wi-Fi um, to so that we could each function because it became a thing where I would be yelling at my daughters. I have a very important business meeting. Please get off your, you know, don't go to class so that I can right. have a business meeting. So even, you know, in quote unquote, middle to high socioeconomic thing, the Wi-Fi, nobody expected that four, four or five people, depending on how many are, you know, in the house would all be on Zoom or Google Meet or, or Google Cloud or whatever they're using music first right. at the same time. So that, that's another thing to take into account. Yep. So Chris, I, I, to, to kind of get into the meat of uh, things, I'd love to hear what kinds of activities you did using music first. Uh, in, in both your choral classes and your general music classes, if you care to share. So in my, I'll start with general music because that's probably like the easier one because that's where predominantly I've been using Music First Classroom as yep. the, the, main, the main source of instruction. So we, <laughs> the biggest thing is that we've switched classes in the middle of the pandemic. 
So we had a marking period change. And originally we were supposed to be back in school before the fourth marking period started. So we were just finishing up the third marking period. And those kids had had all of the intro level and some of our beginning piano course. So I was able to do stuff with them like composition and they knew what the staff was, what the notes were, how to put it together. So they were able to use note flight to write some songs. They were able to do things on, um, we use Soundtrap to yep. write um, some songs where they would have to, there's a great, one of the activities in the preloaded content is called I Am Song. And I really have enjoyed that because it connects socio-emotional learning yep. with yep. Um, social-emotional learning along with the music creation. So you use the soundtrack loops to and you have the kids record their voice in a poem. So like you give them a worksheet and they write in like all their, it's almost like a Mad Libs. They fill in their adjectives of what about them. They record their voice and then they put in loops and tracks and sound effects that amplify what their words meant to them. Okay. So I got some really cool soundtrack songs from them from that. Um, and then the marking period changed. Oh. And I had a whole new group of kids who from I had scratch. never met. Wow, with no prior experience. With no prior experience. Uh, one group of eighth graders who you would hope had prior experience from last year, but of course, you know, depending on how their schedule fell last year, they might have had music their first marking period. So it's almost like two years since these kids have had a music class. Right. Um, for them, it's, it's definitely been at least a year since even the kids who had it last spring had it again. So, you know, how do you teach the basics again virtually, like rhythm and pitch and all of those just before you can even get into composition? So, you know, I tried to use O generator with them. I've been using, we've, now we're doing more note flight, like letter names and staff names and things like that, because um, we've gotten a little bit farther along. Um, and they know what those kinds of things are. I've used focus on sound has been awesome for that yep. class because yep. it's the walkthrough lessons and the interactive tabs. Um, and then the, the quick quiz at the end to check for understanding have been super helpful. Um, and the fact that the kids can always go back to it and reference what they like the information helps so much. So like I gave them the focus on sound treble clef. I gave them focus on sound bass clef. We did focus on sound rhythm. Um, and then that kind of was able to give us at least a fair footing for everybody to kind of move into composition and yep. soundtrack and stuff like that. Have you ever, that's fabulous. That's exactly the way I wanted people to use it. So it's, it's really nice to hear because Focus on Sound basically gives the kids all the fundamentals that they need. And there's so much pre-made content, so many pre-made quizzes. I'm really happy to hear that you used it. Um, but the uh, between Note Flight and Soundtrap and O Generator, which do you think the kids were kind of most drawn to? I'm just curious. Um, because most music teachers not... love Note Flight, right? They're like, oh, I love it because oh, yeah. this is my jam. I know I got you know I can see quarter notes and eighth notes. I love it. Um, a lot of music teachers, <coughs> pardon me, they um they look at Soundtrap like Garage Band, and they may not feel as comfortable, but they know the kids love it. And then O-Generator is this kind of out there beat making app that I personally adore. And I think kids like too, but I'd love to know like, what do you think was the, the most successful with the kids? I think, um, well, 
I don't know. I, maybe we did O generator wrong. They all seem to have a lot of trouble with it, and maybe yeah. I set it up wrong. Um, but we we used it to do beat making, and I thought that they were gonna really like it and and have a good time with it. But it seemed to be more confusing to them than okay. um, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, so that's cool. It's fair, that. totally fair. And maybe that's because we weren't in a face to face setting where we learned how to use it together. Right. I think yeah, no, that, you know, doing it virtually to, is very different. It's a very yes. different interface. And trying to convey the instructions and everything like that virtually. Um, it takes exponentially more time. Like for you to make a little demo video, you're like, it's going to take me two hours to make that. So maybe I'll just write it down. I, I right. totally get it. It's so much easier to be up in front of the room, showing them how it works, and then they instantly get it because kids are really fast like that. But to make a pre-made tutorial video is just... I think it's 10, if your video is one minute long, it takes an hour, you know, it's, uh, it's outrageous. So, uh, and then, but Soundtrap and Noteflight, they were all over? Soundtrap and Noteflight, they loved. Even Soundtrap, as of, from, from the kids who were learning it from the digital, like completely remotely, they had a little bit of trouble at first understanding it. I, I do record my live meets with my kids. I meet with them live on A days. I record our meetings. I do the presentation mode. I, I try to walk them through it because when I can answer their questions and I can show them, they get it just like they would in face-to-face -face learning. Yep. Um, however, I, I leave those recordings up and I don't think the other kids who don't make the live meet watch it. <laughs> like That's the other part of the virtual learning is like you could spend all that time making those tutorials and doing Screencastify and doing recordings and you'll still get the same 12 kids asking you the same 12 questions <laughs> because they don't watch your video. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, and, and maybe, that's, right. maybe that's just the nature of a middle schooler. Is it that is, like, absolutely. It's the nature of humans. You would be surprised how many people ask us. We've said, oh, it's in this video, like a tutorial video. Like, oh, it's right here. Oh, I watch it. It isn't there. <laughs> Go to Because you skim it. Exactly. <laughs> like you, you, exactly. you just like kind of pop through it and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay, uh, okay. And then like, oh, I can get this. This doesn't seem so bad. And then you get into the actual meat and potatoes of it. And you're like, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, what kind of things were you, did you do with your choir members? Was it mostly Sight Reading Factor or did you use any of the other software or, or, or kind of functionality with those kids? When we were in the whole idea that we were going to be going back to a performance, I was using Sight Reading Factory. I was using Practice First um, and just kind of building them up through the levels. And I was, as there are other assignments for the day were to show me their warm up videos and their practice track videos, like that they were singing along with the practice tracks and staying on their music and learning their music. Yep. Once we came to the conclusion that, and I got the official word that our concert wasn't going to be happening, um, I switched gears and we did um, a game called Singo. So I, this was posted in Facebook in one of the music teachers groups, a variety of them now. Right. Um, and it's basically bingo for singers okay. that you give each kid a category. And so like one category is music theory, one category is create, one category is perform, one category is respond um, or reflect. And so it gives them all a little bit more of an option and it gives them choices. So it was like a 25 box choice board and I used Noteflight in there. I used Soundtrap in there. I used, um, what else was in there? Sight Reading Factory was, was a couple yep. options in there. Practice so, first or? I don't think I put a practice first in there because I didn't want them to be assessed. Yep. 
Got it. Um, it was more just for, you know, they were, they were having a choice and then they would, but Sight Reading Factory allows them to record their voices so they could send me their recordings. And right. then I had them do a note flight, like a simple composition in note flight, and they would send me like their note flight composition or that, and I would have them like do, one of them was a similar thing to the I Am Song on Soundtrap. It was like write a poem or find a poem that you like and create a song to, to go with it on Soundtrap using the loops, you know? So it was a really cool way to get the kids out of, especially in a performance class. I feel like we don't ever really get to give them compositional opportunities yep. or non-performance opportunities um, only because we end up focused on the concert. So, you know, and especially as you get closer to the concert, you don't really, you, you even spend less time in your classroom doing the warm up and the theory because you're wanting to get to that rehearsal and get making sure that the songs are perfect and that, you know, especially like one of the things that we usually do at West Essex is go to Dorney Park and do a music showcase festival. Yep, yep, so yep. We, we, we didn't do that. that. Yeah, we didn't do that this year. But um, we that, that's like traditionally we go to that at the first Friday or the second Friday of May. And then our concert is usually like the week after. So we get those judges scores and we get those judges feedback and we can like adjust. But it's all about the performance and shaping our performance. Yep. And once the performance got taken off the table, it's kind of given me some freedom to find those other aspects of our job and encourage them in our performers you know be a reflective performer be a responsive performer be a creative performer and like you know explore those other areas that we don't really always get to touch on because we have a performance and usually on the heels of our first performance is another performance yeah yeah and you know christy the the what you just shared is so important for others to hear a lot uh, you know, Facebook can be an amazing place. It can also be a cesspool, right? And, oh, it, yeah. and the same goes through uh, for a lot of the music educators groups. Uh, there can be really wonderful advice and it can and it can go right down a rabbit hole of calling each other's names. It, you know, it's terrible. It's this kind of love-hate relationship that I have with it. Uh, but what I, what I saw a lot of performance-based teachers realize is that once they realize that, um, that rehear live rehearsals were not really possible and that making a virtual choir or virtual band was going to, you had to pay somebody to do it basically, unless you had Adobe oh, yeah. Premiere and, and kind of Final Cut Pro or whatever, ex you know, with extraordinary amount of time to make those kind of, you know, Brady Bunch style uh, performance videos. Um, that many of them just put their hands up in the air and said, I give up, I, you know, I'm not doing this. Uh, and, and, but what I think music educators are best at is adapting and then folk, all right, well, if I can't do that, then what can I do? What can I help my students with? How can I make them become better performers without actually performing um, together as an ensemble so that when we do come back and we will come back, um, that, that, that I haven't, you know, take, that they haven't regressed and like lost everything that I worked for, you know, for however many years they've been with you. So, um, I, I've got, we, we're, we're, I got two more questions for you and then the wish list, Krista. Okay. The, the first one is like the million dollar question that every choral educator and every music educator for that matter is, is thinking about. And that is the fall. I don't know if you saw that uh, webinar a couple of weeks ago where every choral educator was ready to jump off a bridge after <laughs> watching it. Um, oh you know, yes. You know, and now I heard a report yesterday that singing's fine. So it's this yeah. like one the infamous the infamous webinar. That webinar was extremely damaging, in my opinion. There was a lot of very, I mean, a, a lot of music educators went, "Oh my God, it's over. We're never going to teach again." 
Um, but literally yesterday, I saw a report from the CDC that said singing may not be so bad. So I don't think anybody knows, but what do you see the fall looking like for you at West Essex Regional Middle School? Um, it's honestly, it's up in the air right now. I yep. know that um, they've asked us to prepare for all scenarios, like consider all when we were budgeting and everything, even before we were officially, like before the governor of New Jersey officially announced that we were out for this school year and we were starting to put our budgets and our proposals together for next year. Our administration guided us and it was like, you know, prepare for all possible scenarios. Like think about before you put your budget together, just kind of think about what it's going to look like if we have to stay remote. What's it going to look like if we have to go hybrid? What's it going to look like if we do go back full time, but with these CDC safety precautions, you know, putting in right. place. So I feel like there's so many options and it's going to vary so much across the country i think and that's going to be something that's never happened before really it's so unique like yes there are we start and stop at different times state to state but usually like we all kind of run the same general way um but you know i feel like school district to school district even next year is going to look different yep. um you know like the county i live in in new jersey has a higher population than three states so and we right, are right. in a county like the, the mileage is so much smaller so like what we're doing is going to look different than what schools do where there's not as many um not Dense as large population, a population right but so, can you can you see can you like envision your choir singing in masks i'd rather them sing it if they can if they get in my room they can sing in masks i don't yeah. know what that's gonna like my room this year is small so like and i, I have this year was crazy. I had 70 kids in choir, which was awesome. Right. Um, but it was a tight squeeze. It was a tight squeeze because one of my classes had 40 kids and the other one had like 30. So it was like a lot to fit the 40 kids in that room. Right. Can and, you see breaking them down into, I mean, you may not, you may have no choice, but can you, I, I think that they're, we're just going to have to meet in sectionals, if you will. Um, right. That, you know, with sitting a couple seats apart from each other, you know, I'm always thinking on the bright side. I'm always thinking on the, I'm the optimist, eternal optimist. And how do we, how do we make this great for the fall? And I do think it's possible to have, all right, well, choir, um, two days a week, you're going to, this group and this group, you're going to have to come before school. This group and this group, you're going to have to come before school on these days. This group and this group, you're going to meet during fourth period on every other day on A days or, you know what I'm saying? Right. So that, so that um, and hopefully with everybody's fingers and toes crossed that by, for the winter concert, we'll be able to sing together in a room. Right. I mean, I, that would be something I would be hopeful for. I know that that's something that as a, like my, my small group of musicians that we talk to, you know, my, my colleagues, that's something that we've discussed amongst ourselves, like meeting in essentially like lesson groups, because yep. we do have lessons in our school. Um, but that would, you know, well, we have to pull kids out of other classes because right now we don't. We have our band class, our choir class, our orchestra classes that meet during the day. We have a lesson during the block lunch. So we have that block scheduling thing going on. Yep. Would the blocks be would we have to meet them like half a block to get the smaller groups? Would we have to spread our teaching day out? Would that even be contractual? Like there's so many variables that are going to kind of go into yep. play. And, you know, then you have to consider what the CDC has said about spacing and what they've said about sanitation. And, you know, even like with some of these, like I'm going to the dentist today and they're like, we have to keep 15 minutes between each patient to completely sanitize the rooms and this and that. So I'm like, okay, well, what if I'm going to do that in a classroom? Yeah, like, exactly. 
we have, we have a four minute passing block. Like there's no way I can sanitize my room in four minutes when I just had 30 kids right. in it or like even 15 kids in it, you know? So it's, I yeah, think I, it's going to be interesting. It sure is. But I do think we're almost running out of time. I got two, I got a couple questions for you, but I do think that music educators will rise to the educate, will rise to the occasion. We'll figure yes. it out. Um, yes. Because the bottom line is that in my opinion, no subject is more important in a time like this um, and, and I know that kids will be desperate to get back together again to express themselves musically in the fall. I'm positive. That oh, yeah. So hungry for it. So we, they we tell me that that's, this out. is the class that they missed the most. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, six months ago, if you said the idea of I would have to spray sanitizing spray on a chair after my kids left my choir, you say, absolutely not. Are you insane? That's not my job. And now it's like, OK, well, if that means I can have the kids in the room, definitely I'll do it. Yeah. Where, do, where do I buy it? Um, right. my times how times have changed so just quickly uh krista and i do appreciate all the time you're spending with us today the um what advice would you give for people now that you've been through this and you used our covid trial um what advice would you give to it doesn't have to be about music first but technology in general for everybody and also and uh, as a as a follow-up to this and i didn't give you this one ahead of time what did you learn what was the biggest thing you learned from this whole experience so advice and, and what you learned um, it kind of dovetails together. Don't be afraid of it. You know, I think that the biggest thing is a fear factor of I'm going to do it wrong or it's going to be wrong or I'm going to look like I didn't know what I was doing in front of my students, you know, if there's a mistake, but it's okay because it's a learning curve. So even if you spend all the time, like when I first heard of doing it, it was taking me like probably four or five hours on a Sunday, yep. plan my lessons and get everything set up. And even then I was going back in being like, oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I forgot to do that. And then the kids would get on and I'd get an email saying it's not working. I'd be like, okay, why isn't yes. it working? So, right. you know, it's, it's, it's trial and error and it's not, it's not being afraid to take those risks. You know, we're, we're music teachers, we're musicians. We encourage our students to take risks all the time yep. and we need to be willing to take those risks too. So just don't be afraid of it. And, you know, practice makes perfect. You know, we keep, just keep trying, just keep looking at it. And I found that Music First tech support is really, really awesome. Oh, good. I've Shout out, out to, to Juliana and Tori for sure. Oh yeah, Tori's been my girl. She's, she's had my back on so many occasions. Oh, I've, I feel like I know her personally at this point because I've like reached out to her so many times and like even after hours, late in the day, on a weekend, and they always get back to me with, with great information and a lot of support. So, you know, don't be afraid to use the resources that are available to you and with the technology as you're learning it, because, you know, just like we encourage our kids to keep trying and to keep doing it, we have to just take that risk ourselves and not be afraid of the technology because it is, it is really helpful. And something like Music First, where the kids have it on their end, it gives you that extra element of stuff for them to do at home. You know, they yep. might not have their instrument, an instrument to play at home, or they might not have their choir music at home, but if they have access to Sight Seeking Factory or a note flight, then they can create something that's just as valuable as, you know, yeah. performing. That's great. That's, thank you. So that's, it's wonderful. And Krista, I promise once all this madness is over, we'll have you into our offices in New York and, and uh, uh, I'll, we'll treat you to lunch. And I'm sure Tori would love to meet you. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, My last question for you is the mag magic wand question. And now that you've been using our platform, like for everything for the last couple of months, what if you could change one thing or, or add a feature, uh, what would it do? Or what would you, what, what would you want to see? Uh, we, you know, we develop over the summer. 
I, I don't know. And this might be somewhere in there that I just haven't found it yet, but I think some kind of a rhythm pad, like, or a drumming pad, um, where the kids do rhythm exercises, but they actually have to tap or feel it as opposed to just inputting it would be really awesome. Um, I found that a lot of my students, and maybe this is because we're choir and we don't deal so much in rhythm as much as I think an instrumental class necessarily yep. does. And we also don't have an instrument in our hands that we can feel. Um, I struggled a lot with rhythm in college and like just being on the beat and keeping that tempo steady. And I'm finding a lot of my kids do too. And when I give them something that's like a drum pad kind of thing, like we used, yep. I actually used one from Tone Savvy. They yes. were struggling. Like it was hard for yep. them. Yep. So I feel like if I had one of those somewhere in music first, I would definitely take advantage of it. So there, there's good news. There is a place it's in, it's in musician first. And I believe it's in Aurelia as well. They both have rhythm tapping, um, but it's ah. kind of, you have to really drill down to find it, but it is there. Uh, there's rhythmic dictation, rhythmic tapping, and the kids actually tap the space bar. Um, so okay. they'll, they'll hear a rhythm and then they'll tap it. But I love the idea of that in something like practice first, where they could, instead of necessarily um, playing a pitched instrument, because, you know, uh, for, for, for many reasons, we can't assess non-pitch percussion. It'd be neat if they could just do it on a space bar instead. It's a very good idea. Anyway, uh, Krista, absolute pleasure to speak with you. Uh, when is your school year? I mean, today is uh, June 1st. So how many more weeks do you have before you're done? Our final day is June 19th. All right. So we're so almost there. Hang in there. You got three weeks to go. And uh, I, I wish you all the best. I wish you a great summer. Uh, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Music First will be part of uh, the offerings in the fall, whatever that looks like. Um, but you've been, you've been fabulous to speak with. And uh, it's great to close out our second season. Uh, with somebody so positive. So I appreciate it, Krista, and uh, have a great summer. Thank you. You too, Jim. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.